podcast. I'm here with the one, the only, Michael Blydman. Hi, Bailey. Good it's to see you. It's such a pleasure. Dude, <laughs> I've been pumped for this. I've been excited. But first, we must read the script. Actually, it's not a script anymore. I have bullet points. So uh, if you haven't tuned in to this show before, I believe many of you probably have, but on this show, curiosity is key. So we dive into all different sorts of topics with a variety of different types of guests to try to dissect how we should live our everyday lives and view all of those things from a biblical worldview. And, um, and so we think and believe that the chief purpose of our life is the glorification of God. And so aligning everything else to kind of move towards that. And that is the purpose of this show. And that's what we hope to give you. Um, I actually have a verse today. I was thinking about doing this. We, we might come back to uh, the cha- Oswald Chambers, but I just read this verse to you off air, but it's so good. It's 2 Corinthians 3.15. It says, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Crazy, because sometimes we can get confused, you know? We can get caught up in perceptions of others and, like, how, you know, it's like, dang, is this Christian walk really worth it if people are don't like me for it or yeah. like my friends are changing or what whatever it is and yeah it's like to know and have the knowledge like man that's that's just because of this veil that is over their eyes it's just because of this yeah. like lack of seeing reality for what it is and the destruction of the way that they're living life and i think that actually goes into this but we can pull that out later i just want to yeah. jump into things with you so michael is a a full-time minister right. at Mountain Valley and Fellowship in Chi, Chi Alpha. Yes, sir. Um, a man of God. You're married. I am. And, uh, and and you love ministering to college students. I do. It is, man, it's one of the best things ever. They, they're open. They love to think. Um, and they're at a crucial, crucial moment in their lives where every decision that they make, their future is... Um, it's just is so open. Mm-hmm. So much can happen. So much is possible. And and if you make a decision at n- eighteen, nineteen for Christ, what can become of your life? The impact that your life can have, the fruit that it can yield, yeah. is so incredible. Um, my wife and I recently started a another small group with the church, and it's a totally different animal, mm. where you see masses of college students who. Um, some of them are hungry for Jesus. Some of them are like that fragrance where they're l- very curious about what's going on and and how to live for God. And some of them, the the other option is usually just like careless. Right. Like, man, I just do whatever I want. When we started meeting adults, mm-hmm. um, parents with kids and people 25 and up who, who had already – Either they graduated college or they never did. They never even went to college, and they just started living their life. And the what they believed in those early teen years, once they got freedom and lived it out, took its toll. Mm. And so, where college students, it was like 
careless, or interested, both of those things basically betray that you don't know where your life is taking you right now. Mm. Where you're like, maybe I could go this way, or I don't really care to go this way. With the adults, it was like broken or bitter, right? They were just like, I am not interested in talking to a stranger. I am, you know, I am okay with my life. Please leave me alone. Or it was like, yeah, I just got a divorce like a month ago, and I'm really lonely for friends. Can I come over to your house? <laughs> yeah. Like, so the, and it's a, it's something, it's a ministry that needs to be done, you know, to the, to the, these adults who are broken and who need love and who need an, a new family, a new kind of family who's going to love them and who's going to take care of them because their marriage is at stake. Mm. But with the college kids, their marriage is at stake too, but in a different way, in a way that if they can get it right now, they never have to go through that pain, you know? Yeah. And, th and that's what I mean by like the fruit that it can yield where you here with the adults, you start from a place that's like, we got to save this. I mean, the college students, they still need to be saved, but like the collateral damage, the stuff that could happen is so phenomenal. It's exciting. Mm. That's what's so exciting about working mm. with college kids. It's interesting you, you bring this topic up because it's something I've been just contemplating all day is like, why live without God? Like not why live without God, like, but why live at all if you don't have God? Yeah. Like, what is the thing that sustains your walk or run? Like I was driving down the street and I saw this person running. And I, I don't know, I have a, this kind of gift of discernment, of understanding who people are and what they're doing just, just yeah. in an instant. And something told me this person was running so that they could develop better self-image. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I'm like, how sad is that? Because I know that that is not sustainable, right? Yeah. You know, right now they're running so that they can stay fit. Yeah. But w because they're running just to stay fit, to look good for people in college. Yeah. Somewhere in their life when they get married or whatnot, they're not staying fit because they want to honor God or they just want to be healthy so they can be more capable. They're doing it for their image. Yes. Which means it will like that is an that's like it's not a sustainable fuel source. Yes. Why well, I had a, such a strange experience. You're probably going to laugh and that's okay. <laughs> I laughed at myself. My <laughs> my wife was watching the Jonas Brothers documentary to kind of like relive yeah the nostalgia of experiencing the Jonas brothers as a teenager. And I walked in on it and I sat down and I watched it and it was like, whatever, but they get to the very end when they get back together and they go on another tour that either they just wrapped or they they're on. Yes. And like the, the movie ends with this climactic shot and it's the three of them and they're standing and they're like, <laughs> yes. And then the, ch the crowd is cheering, but this was the experience I had. In my heart, I saw them doing that, and I said, thank God. Like, mm. thank you, God, for, th for giving them that. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a gift from God for sure. them to have that. And then it struck me that they probably didn't thank God, mm. that there's no one in their life to thank for their gifts. It's a scrap. 
like everything that they have, it's a scrap. It's a fight to keep it because nobody, nobody cares for them. There's mm. no one to thank for their gifts. There's no loving father that watches over yeah. them. You know, it's well, like ex- explain that further because, like, Michael, wh- why does that matter? Like, w- but they have the fame. They have this. They have the gifts. So like, why does it matter? I can't explain explain to you except that when that happened inside of me the feeling that was left when i thought that thought Mm. like there is no one to thank Mm. it was just hollow there's nowhere to go but down when you when you live like that there's nowhere to go but down you just you have all this fame and you have all this stuff but um so it's like this Uh. if nobody gave it to you it's up to you to keep it to keep it going and so how how else do you explain people who go to deeper and darker depths to keep fame? Mm. You know, something you said you would never do on screen. And now 10 years later, you're doing that thing on screen. And you're, you know, something you said you would never do while you were in high school. Now you're in college and you have to keep these friends mm. by doing these different things because there's no one to take care of you. Mm. If there's no one to thank, there's no one to take care of you. Wh- when we walk through life with Christ as our head, I don't have to worry about anything. Mm. I don't have to worry about a single thing. What I have or what I don't have, I'm not worried about it. If you walk without God and there's no one to take care of you, even the good things that come your way are purely by chance. And you, you're just lucky. And those things can leave just as easily. Mm. But if that's what's making you happy, just the thought that it could leave as easily as it came, as by chance as it came, is terrifying. Mm. Absolutely terrifying. So because it's the thing that is getting you gra- giving you gratification, not the person yes. being God going and celebrating you for, like, the gifting. Like, celebrating you. Like, you know, y- you could play football, Pop Warner football as a kid, yeah. but you want your dad there. Yeah. Celebrating and watching. Yeah. For some reason, it's it's actually not that great if you don't have someone in the stands watching you. Yeah. And so do you just like, yeah, because it, it seems like you just keep having to one up yourself because it's the thing that's gratifying. Yeah. Not the the person. Yeah. The I listened to this wonderful. We had Matt Carpenter come and visit our staff and he he's, he talked about um the Garden of Eden, in like an imaginative sense. Mm. And so you imagine what the Garden of Eden must have been like. You walk around, and there's just fruit everywhere. And you just trust sure. that what God has planted, what God has made, is going to grow. And you take a little fruit, and you bite into it, and you enjoy it. And then it's done, mm. and you leave it. And that's it. Like you enjoyed the thing that came that was God's gift in the first place, and then you just leave it. And what you left behind grows into a new thing that can bless other people. Mm. But imagine you're not so sure whether God can, you can trust him to give you what you need. Then you start hoarding, and then you start keeping from others, and then you start bargaining. Well, what do you have that I, and then you start, squeezing as tightly as you can out from other people you know what i mean yeah. and it and it all centers around is this thing a gift 
or is it up to me? If it's a gift, then I can give it away. It doesn't matter. I trust the person who gave it to me, and I can live freely giving this thing away. You know that there's more to come. Right. I can give myself away. It doesn't matter. I've got an infinite source of generosity that mm -hmm. I trust in versus if it's just me. Mm -hmm. If it is just me and a world that is hostile to me, and the best I can do is chance to have anything substantial. Mm-hmm. I am scrapping. And then, so this is, so back to your comment sure. about how do people live without God? Because they tell themselves a story that's not actually true. Like this evolution. The story that they say over and over and over is you were made from stardust. So beautiful. Look at you, Bailey. Yeah. Made from stardust. You're a cosmic gas cloud that condensed in, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay? But actually, that's not true. Mm. That's not the story that evolution tells. If you take, if you take evolution for what it is, what it means is um, you have to, it's eat or be eaten. If you don't make yourself survive by the strength of your own two fists, you will die, your progeny will not survive, you have to make yourself better and mm. fight off everybody else to make sure that you live and pass on good genes. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I look at other people, dude, this is straight up. If they don't have good genes, then they, they shouldn't survive. Right. Just straight up. Like, <laughs> And so you tell yourself this story about like, Oh, we care for each other because that helps our survival as a species. But that's mm. not how it actually works. You tell yourself this story about evolution that sounds nice, but it's not actually what's going on. If you were to look at it square in the face, it would terrify you, and you wouldn't be able to live without God. There's mm. no way. Mm. And I think that what's going on in that verse is the people who have seen it for what it is, the people who have seen a life empty and devoid of God, they look at a Christian and they say, I can have that. The people who believe this false story and think that they have something that's okay, think that they can make it on their own, think that they are strong enough actually to impose themselves on sure. life and on chance. Um, they're like, you idiots, you, you know. Yeah. Giving away your money. How could you possibly do that? I, I do you think do you think part of it is they're living in this place where they've accepted their hopelessness. And when they see someone with hope, the hope of Jesus, someone that has been reborn, that's filled with the Holy Spirit. It disgusts them because. It makes them face their own like. Life. You know? Oh, yeah. That's totally what happened with the Pharisees. Mm. You know? Sure. Isn't that like they didn't kill Jesus because he was a bad guy. They killed Jesus because he was a good guy and showed them all that they were bad guys. Mm. The way that he was living, the whole point of, of the law and the prophets and everything that the Pharisees said was their treasure was supposed to be to give life, not only to the Israelites, but to the nations. And, and, then, and then 
these guys who were experts in what was supposed to give life never could. And Jesus comes unlearned, no pedigree, no nothing, comes on the scene and actually does what they were supposed to do all along. Mm. And how does that make them feel? <laughs> Makes them want to kill him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One-upped, upstage, outshone, and it, what it reveals is at the very, very bottom of the heart was I didn't want to please God anyway. I was doing all this to please me. Yeah. You know, whatever was going on on the outside, what it shows on the very deepest in inside is that I wanted to please me. And I think, so it could even go deeper than that. It's, it's not just people who think that they have good things going on in their circumstances that smell the fragrance of death. It's people who at their very rock bottom are still looking to please me. Mm. And the, the, the looking at someone who has given up everything, paid the highest price to have Jesus and that's it, yeah. is like unthinkable. Mm. I could never do that. You guys are crazy. I don't want any part of it. But somebody who at their very rock bottom has given up on living for me, to them, it's a fragrance of life. You say like, wait, I can have something outside of just living for myself. I can mm. have something bigger than me. I can have a father who takes care of me. I can have somebody who loves me. I can have a family again. My family's <laughs> given up on me, but I can have a family. When you've given up on living for yourself, then it can be a fragrance of life mm. where you say, I, I want to live for that. I want to have life like that. So when the Christian ministers, it's really like kind of up to the de God's development in their heart, wherever they're at, if they're at that point of, okay, I am so desperate that I need God. I need whatever you have. I, I, I can feel it. I need it. I need more of it. And then the other person that doesn't respond says, well, I think there's still a way to, to be satisfied through yes. my own strength. Yes. So the um, the parable of the soils. One second, by the way. Oh, hey, yeah. uh, Caleb, is there any way you can change it to the wide angle and check on the, the dog? I don't know if Cooper is in the background or whatnot, but. Uh, I don't know if that's Cooper. It sounded like it was coming from over well, there. Well, yeah, but it might be Cooper, like, barking <laughs> at him or something like that. Because okay. usually it's a dog in the background. All but right. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what okay, so yeah. you you asked a question about when you're ministering, getting someone to that point. Mm. And the answer is absolutely. So Jesus tells a story about four different soils, which he says represents four different kinds of people. Three of those people basically had something to live for that they could cling to that wasn't they, – they weren't giving everything to Jesus. And the last one, there's only one that is a good and noble heart that's ready to give it all to have the treasure that's in the field, which is the parable that comes right after the soils in Matthew. So there's these three kinds of people who one of them, he like, there's no, there's not even a front. It's just like, no, I'm living for myself. See ya. You know, sure. there's another that says, hey, I'm really into this thing. I'm going to kind of get involved and, and see what it's about. And then as soon as difficulty comes, 
as soon as any kind of um, persecution, you get laughed at, or it comes to denying yourself, when, when any kind of trouble comes, you're like, you know what, actually, I'm not willing to pay the price. Mm. And then the last one looks like they're in the mix, looks like they're walking the walk. They have, it's a full-grown stock. But when it comes to producing for the kingdom, to yielding fruit, to, to really changing their innermost character and making a disciple, there's always something else in the way. Oh, you know, like when a uh, <laughs> long time ago, my wife and I decided to get rid of our television. Wow. But my like my innermost <laughs> thing at when it came to the moment of decision, it was like, no, we could use it. Oh, I don't know. You know, th- but what about this? But what about that? But what about? And then it like all the excuses went away and it was just like, do you want the TV or do you want to obey? You know, because for me, it was a point of obedience. Like, do you want the TV or do you want to obey? And so for everyone, when it comes to ministry and I'm, there's a guy in my life, I'm, I'm praying for him right now that this is going to happen. Catherine Booth says it comes down to the point of controversy. There is a thing between you and God mm. where you you like then he's got the nail pierced hands and the feet and the side. But there's another wound that you caused him Mm. in a relationship sense. And there's a, there's the points of controversy, the point where God says that I don't like that. I I need you to give it up. And, Mm. and, and it comes down to that choice, like conscious. I'm, I, I'm looking at it right in front of me. And so I think like that's the minister's job is to find the point of controversy. When it all comes down to it, it says, what is the thing that God is telling you you need to give up right now mm. to be right with him? Mm. And the good and noble heart, the one that has recognized what Jesus is like and that I'm messed up without him, that my life is like whether I go to hell after I die, I'm headed there anyway while I'm alive, you know, and Jesus is lovely and he can he can rescue me. He can change it all. And he's the one who deserves my life. I mean, I've got nothing to give him, but he's so wonderful that he deserves to have me serve him. Mm. And so here's the choice. Do I want this thing, which whatever it is, any number of circumstances or objects, what it really is is living for myself. Am I going to please myself and am I going to decide what's yeah. good for me? Or am I going to pick Jesus? Then the minister's job is to clear the air of all excuses, of all questions, and get down to the point of controversy, as Catherine Booth says. Do you want to serve this lovely, wonderful person who deserves your worship and, and your love and your trust? Or are you going to serve yourself and keep doing this thing that he says needs to go? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, kind of returning a little bit back to this kind of idea of the only reason we can live without God, without, you know, without wanting to please him or wanting his uh, celebration over our lives and what we do is because of this believing of not what reality is. 
So yeah. convincing ourselves of this idea of evolution, this idea that, hey, everything just happened to flow together to, yeah. you know, nature, man. Like, it's all about nature. Um, my question is, or, or w- like, what I kind of want you to dive into here is, is it seems like that idea itself has infiltrated the American dream this kill or be killed like yeah you have to rise to the top pull up your bootstraps do what you got to do get that job go to college the goal is two hundred thousand dollars a year minimum or you're not gonna like your life yeah you know we had so in uh, our conversation when we first met about environmentalism like the way that we tell this story about what environmentalism can accomplish but then it always you pull the the rug gets pulled out from under you and you have this disgusting sham you know yeah it's exactly that is satan's that is his like drumbeat that is the trick every single time is weave you a tale with just a little bit of truth about what could happen if you don't obey God. Well, if you walk down this road, you know, you'll, um, it'll be wonderful. Look what you can have mm. if you just serve me. You can have all of this. Mm. And the deeper you go down that road, it becomes harder and harsher. And the, de- the, like, the death that it brings is increasingly evident but you are now set on this way mm. of saying, like, I want to accomplish that, which is always about me. Um, so an example, thinking through Adam and Eve, Satan says, you can be like God, which was, which was not a lie. They could be like God mm. in character, right? God made them in his likeness. They could sure. be like him. That. It was only kind of a lie. Mm. It was just enough of a lie to kill them. And the so this is the, man, it's so interesting. God says, um, the day you eat of it, you shall die. He does not say, the day you eat of it, I shall kill you. Mm. Because sin is itself the thing that kills you. God doesn't have to kill you. He's not, it's not just like, oh, you sinned, I'm going to rip your head off. It's like, oh, you jumped off of a building, you're going to mm. die. Mm. If you jump off of a building, y- you will die. That off of a 10-story building, you will die. Like, it's just a fact of how it works. It's not about whether God is going to step in and kill you. The sin will kill you. Mm. That's why God prohibited it, because it was going to kill you. And Satan gets you to walk down this path. If you'll just, you know, this thing looks good, right? If you'll just walk down this path a little bit, um, then you'll get what you want. And as soon as you step off the path, it kills you. Mm. But then you're so locked into this destiny that is pleasing myself that I'm going to, now I'm on it, you know? Mm. And And the death only becomes more and more evident outwardly but you now you don't care now you're just so locked into mm. this thing because you've adopted that as true that's exactly right mm. it's a deception from the start but then you 
you're so believing in the deception, you choose to believe the mm -hmm. deception that you are headed down this thing, even though it's death everywhere. Mm -hmm. So for, for money, like God says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so Jesus, Jesus says, listen, your father in heaven is generous. So sell everything, give stuff away. It doesn't matter. God will take care of you. Satan says, um, if you had this, you could be happy, which is not wrong. If I had a nice car, I probably would be happy for a moment. But living for that kind of happiness will kill me. Mm. Once I believe that deception and begin walking down that path, then it's over. And then I'm working 12 hours and my family's falling apart and my kids are unloved and, you know, and I'm working myself to the bone and I'm not making enough. And, I'm not, and then I'm not even enjoying the things I started this journey for but it doesn't matter anymore. Now it's about the bank account. Now it's about me. The, like, the fact that the rug has been pulled out from under me is very obvious, mm. but I'm still going after the deception. It's only when that thing breaks you that you can say, like, this isn't working anymore. Like, you wait. That's why the, I mean, the, the old evangelists, they'd call it being awakened. Somebody in your life died, and you're like, wait a minute. Is this really important? You like, you wake up. You're like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. Mm. I don't know if this is working or not. You lose everything, and you're like, why was I doing that in the first place? It was never going to work. I'd been at it for 20 years, and it never gave me the satisfaction that it promised when I started when I was young. Mm. You know? And the... So what we talked about in environmentalism and evolution, in a sense, is this way, too, where it promises you one thing. Technology, you're like, yes, technology will solve everything. If we can just, <laughs> yeah. you know, create more and more and more, then, then technology will be our salvation. And you buy into that lie, and then you wake up, we wake up, 70 years later and to pollution to social media which is giving us depression and anxiety mm. like all this stuff that's like this did not give us the dream that we promised but we're so sold on this this lie this destiny now that we're unwilling to to change back into the truth it's wild and yeah, one of one of the things you were talking about last night was this idea, or we were talking about this idea of the the harsh reality of it is with sin and, and following the, the guidance of sin or adopting that as our reality to where we don't, we're like, dang, you know, if I even try to do anything else, then I'm going to lose all of this that I've done. That's right. It's like you get sucked in. It, the kind of the what you were saying is the the further you go in the further god has to pull you out that's right that's right the the more you believe the lie the further you give yourself to it the deeper the undoing has to be mm -hmm. so we what we talked about and i'll just repeat it for the viewers because it's the the prime example is abraham 
it so much rides on Abraham and the promised child Isaac. So the the you and I sitting here talking about Jesus right now rides on Abraham and Isaac. Mm. And Abraham takes that dream of like okay, I can be a I can be the father of many nations. I can be I can have what my culture says is valuable, mm. which is children, sure. which is stuff and which is children. And so I'm going to do it my own way. That's that's the lie. You can have exactly what you want if you just do it not God's way. And they assault this young Egyptian girl and get what they want. And, and now they're down this road that is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And when God says, like, the, it's, it's Isaac, it's going to be Isaac. God, it, Abraham responds, he's like, why can't you just accept Ishmael? Like, his hopes and his dreams are are in this Ishmael. And mm. to undo that thing in Abraham's heart, God has to raise the stakes to, you need to sacrifice Isaac to me. Do you trust me enough that my way is going to be the right way for you? And it's, we're blown away. I don't know if right. I could do something like that, but that's God's way of undoing all that deep stuff that says you spent so long not trusting me and, and chasing this deceptive way of getting what you want. Now, how w far are you willing to go to come out of that hole, to mm -hmm. trust me with everything that you have? Are you willing to go even this far that you know that Isaac is the promised child, that I'm going to take care of you, that I'm... I am who I say I am, and I'm going to keep the promises that I make. Are you going to put it all in my hands to undo the lie that you bought bought into mm. 30 years ago? So, like, even if you're in the church right now and you feel like there is some strongholds over your life, things that you have believed, paths that you go down, like, things that you won't let go of, uh, what... How does one, for for one, recognize that, and then for two, m make that decision to let go of the dream of Ishmael and place it in God's hands with Isaac? Like yeah. that, it seems like I mean to us, like there was a there was a a, a place where God was like, okay, now I'm gonna test you with yeah. Isaac, right? Uh. Does it come through the testing? Does it come through the brokenness? Does it come through the falling, the hitting your head? You know, or is there is there a way to circumvent that? Is there a way to? Yeah, um, it doesn't. It doesn't come for free. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a way. There's probably a lot of ways, but a way to recognize if there's a stronghold is um, Jesus says about, I think it's the man with the withered hand, and he tells the guy to, ex to extend it. Mm. And, um, and the guy with the withered hand extends the hand, and Jesus says, the Pharisees get all upset about it because it's on a Sabbath day, and Jesus says to them, Have, are you mad at me because I've made this man, the KJV says, 
every whit whole, completely whole. And the same thing with the lepers. There's 10 lepers that go away healed, and the, the one leper comes back, and Jesus says to him something different. He says, um, your faith has made you whole. So there's a, when, when, the, when the gospel has its way with you, when it really kills you dead <laughs> and, and you are given over to Jesus, there is a sense of, of wholeness that comes, mm. that you are in every way completely whole. Doesn't mean that your external circumstances um, aren't going to be gnarly. It doesn't mean that you're going to be happy, mm. but it does mean that you're going to be whole. The Jesus says, whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood will never thirst, will never hunger and never thirst. There's a, there's a thing deep, deep inside that goes, no matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to be okay. If there's a conscience that's plaguing you, if there's a deep anxiety, if there's a hopelessness or a meaninglessness, um, there's something, there's some deception that has gotten in that is not from God, that needs to be gotten out. Mm. And um, that same message that I mentioned earlier with Catherine Booth about the controversy, she, sure. she takes that, anal- that word, the controversy, and she uses the analogy of Isaac. She calls it your Isaac. She says you need to put your Isaac on the altar. The thing that is... There's all, the, there's all these things you say, I'm, I'm following Jesus, I don't know, but there's this place in my life, um, mm. be it finances, be it uh, marriage prospects in the future, be it um, my family, be it my career, whatever it is, if there's something that's like, but when this subject comes up, when I'm in my prayer closet and this subject comes up, when a pastor preaches on this subject, suddenly I'm... Nope, mm. my, I'm guarding my heart, I'm defensive, I get anxious about this thing. There's a deception there that has wrapped around the Isaac, the thing that you haven't given up yet. Mm. And the only way I know scripturally that God has dealt with that is to have people give it up. There's not like a 10-step program. There's not like a sliding scale. There's not like I was better than I was yesterday. Um, I'm having a good day today. <laughs> it's like, it's like no, it's God dealt with it, and it's done. Mm. You know, I took the Isaac, and I sacrificed it on the altar. My career, it's not like I'm less worried about my career. It's like my career is God's now. It's over. Mm. My, my marriage prospects, it's over. It's God's now. My finances, they're God's now. I don't, you know? And the, the whisper for sure comes back. You know, the whisper of the enemy for sure comes back, but it's the root inside that says, mm. no, I gave that to God. I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to choose to not worry about that anymore. I'm going to choose to place that back in God's hand. That's not mine to control anymore. All So the strongholds, the only way that I know that God has dealt with strongholds like that in people's lives is to have them come face to face with it and choose, you know, this way or that way. Jacob, all his life is on the run, ducking people this way, shading, you know, 
deceiving people that way. He's always on the run. And the and now it's like he he sends all of his family away. They're about, they're they're ready to get up and get out of town and Esau's coming the other direction. And he has to decide that night is he finally going to face the thing that he's been running from all his life? Like this pattern of running and running and running all his life. Is he going to run again from Esau and split with his family? Or is he finally going to face his brother? Mm-hmm. And all, all the consequences of all that he's done all his life. And in that moment of decision, God himself comes and wrestles Jacob to the ground. The, the, the mental and the emotional wrestling becomes a literal wrestling with God. And the, um, man, it's so beautiful. They get to the end of their wrestling match, and apparently Jacob is a pretty good wrestler because <laughs> to, to end the match, God has to supernaturally just knock his hip out of place. And, um, and it says that from that day on, the Israelites never ate that part of the leg because what God did to Jacob in that moment marked him. He walked away from that wrestling match limping. And there's no indication that he ever got better. Mm. He carried the mark of that wrestling match for the rest of his life. He carried the mark of that controversy for the rest of his life. And it was a constant reminder to him that, like, when God dealt with me, I faced my problems. And I overcame them. After that night, he was ready to face his brother Esau and face the consequences. You know? And, And that's true for me. Like, I... I am marked by the things that God has asked me, gently asked me, because it's an invitation to a relationship. I didn't have to face it. But in order to be closer with him, I faced the things he asked me to face, and I bear the consequences of that, mm. you know, to, to today. But I also know that because he asked me to face it, and I said yes for his sake, um, that yeah. I'm also completely whole free yeah free whole well however you want to say it Mm. um in whatever way that that um that you know that you need Mm. yeah the bible has a whole host of words and they're all they all apply however they apply to you listener yeah (laughs) is there could you walk us through some of those personal like just to give people an example of like how someone faces a real like crossroad in their life yeah um in my life the most recent one um the most recent one i um i spent a lot of my time in high school being defined by playing video games and and here's how it, here's how it goes like this is exactly what we were talking about i hated myself when i played video games i was super competitive i knew that i had sunk so much time into this game that i ought to be good at it but i still wasn't i was still really bad and so when i performed poorly i got super mad mm. and my friends would leave me They'd be like, you know what? I'm done for the night. Like, I don't want to play with you anymore. Goodbye. This has been a miserable time. And I had a miserable time. And I hated myself. And I didn't even know why I was like this. 
but I had bought this thing that this was who I was. Mm. That like I played video games with my friends for four hours a night. Like that's what I do. And it like when I joined Chi Alpha and I I like or when I got married, I pulled back a little bit because, you know, I, I got to pay attention to my wife. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> when I joined Chi Alpha and I got saved, I pulled back a whole lot because then I had something else to live for. When I um, became a small group leader and I took responsibility for the souls of other people, I almost stopped entirely. But there came a point really recently where the Lord was like, I want you to sell that. That thing, it's dead. It's dead now. Like, that's not who you are anymore. It never was who I was. You know what I mean? That whole thing about my identity, it was a lie all the time. But the, and here's the part, is it got better, and it got better, and it got better, and it got better, and I played less and less and less. But when it came down to, like, this thing is dead now, it's mine, sell it, my flesh protested. You mm. know? Like, e all this time, and it's like, I haven't played video games in six months. But but actually, instead of saying, man, I haven't played video games in six months. You're right, Lord. I should give it up. It was like, but I haven't played in six months. Like, it's not a big deal, right? Like, my flesh just protested. Mm. No, no, no. I want to I hold on to it somehow. Somehow, some way. There must be a way for me to keep my Isaac just on the side. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I won't make it a big deal. I won't. You know, I'll just, eh. but it really did. Like I had, it had to die. I had to sell it, mm. cut it off. It's over now. It's not who I am. And it took like, to be fully honest and frank, it was like, it was like a year of that wrestling match. of like, oh no, I, I don't really want to. I don't really want to set like. I'll just not play it. I'll only play it sometimes. Well, how about this? I'll use it for ministry. When people come over to minister to them, <laughs> then we'll play right, video right. games together. It had like what God said, like to deal with it was to get it gone, was to sell it, to be over with. And like if there is a point of controversy, if there's an Isaac, if there's a thing that every time you get in prayer and the Lord touches it, it's like searing pain, mm. that thing like there's no easy way to deal with it like it has to die and it's just how it's like the the paradox it's not a paradox but the irony of a death a fragrance of death to some and a fragrance of life to others like the unexpected the only way out is for it to die that's always how it is with Christianity. In fact, that's how it is with every great religion. Hmm. Every, every religion that has taken over the world has death somewhere in it. Someone has to die, right? Like, you can't just, like, be friends with everybody. Something has to die. For Islam, it's you. You know, <laughs> you right. have to die because you don't believe. Um, in Buddhism or in, in Hinduism, your personality has to die mm. so that you can be free from your earthly attachments. In Christianity, it's my will has to die. I have to say no to me and what I want, to my will, to my flesh, to my desires, to my future, to my rights, to my everything for God. You know, every great religion says something has to die. Mm. Something's not right, and it has to go away. It has to die. 
Christianity, though, is the only one that's bold enough. Jesus was the only one that was bold enough to say, it's you. You're the problem. I'm the problem. Not just my personality and my earthly attachments, and I get to keep my spiritual side. It's like, no, all of me, what my, aim, my entire aim of life is the problem, and it has to die yeah. for things to get any better, yeah. so for me to be close to God. So maybe a sharp question. Do you think we're succeeding at that in the Western church? No. What Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, so good. He says, um, what cost Christ everything should not cost us nothing. What cost Christ everything should not mm. cost us nothing. It's a, it's a remarkable thing to notice. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, he goes, um, you must sell everything. Right? That, f- that for him was like the Isaac. It, ha- it all has to die. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you can come follow me. And the guy turned away sorrowful. And it's, it's important to note for the Western church that Jesus didn't say, well, you know what? Why don't you why don't you just stick around and and then maybe later you can you can see, you know, um, if if you'd like to do that later, you know, I can be your savior and then I'll be Lord later. If you decide to give it all up, you know, you don't have to do that right now. I was you know, that might have been a little harsh of me to say something like that. You know, there wasn't any smoke machines and, and music and you know, great production value, and then the rich young ruler could decide after some consideration if he wanted to give everything up, you know? There wasn't, it was like, this thing has to die, and that's how you get to follow Jesus. Mm. That, that, those were, that was Jesus' standard to say, like, this is how hard it has to be. You, ha- it, you have to pay this high price to follow me what cost christ everything can't cost us nothing and i think one of the major failures of the western church is the um is there's no line in the sand you can raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed and um then after you raise your hand and put your name on a card then you can decide later if you're going to sacrifice your isaac or not but and everyone's under the illusion that that's what made you a Christian was raising my hand. But w- to Jesus, it's when you when you sacrifice your Isaac, when you deal with the controversy that's between you and God, when mm-hmm. you get it out of the way, when you die, and you let um, Romans six says dead to sin, alive to God. That's the that's Jesus's standard: dead to sin and alive to God. Harsh line in the sand. If you're not willing to cross it, you're not a follower of Christ. And fragrance of death and fragrance of life. Most people would rather be a neutral fragrance to just keep a congregation coming and interested. Right. And But it's that thing that goes, to some of you, this will be a fragrance of death, and you will leave. You will walk away like the rich young ruler. And Jesus was not scared of that. Mm. He was saddened by it. He was a man of sorrows because he saw that a lot, I'm sure. But he wasn't, he didn't soften his message for it. The bar was always that high. It couldn't be anything else. If he lessened the message, he would make a bunch of counterfeits. And he wasn't willing to do that. Mm. He was willing to let people walk away rather than make counterfeits. He was willing to let the fragrance be death to some so that it could be true life 
true wholeness, true healing to those who were willing to pay the price. The halfway doesn't help anybody because mm. the, the people who weren't willing to sacrifice the Isaac aren't really in, but they think they are. And the people who were willing to sacrifice the Isaac never crossed the line by actually doing it. And I think that what I, I think one of the biggest things is the modern church now is going through this. And, a, and even a lot of the, um, the truest, dearest saints um, who love the Lord and they, they do have something real um, don't know how to walk the younger generation through that. They, they did sometime in their past life. You know, they really did deal with the controversy mm-hmm. when they were young. They gave their life wholeheartedly to the Lord. And they didn't quite know how that, you know, I don't know how to say it, but like how that happened or the exact steps that they walked through. They were never trained in those things, and they never know how to describe that experience to someone else. To them, it's like, well, yeah, you have faith in Jesus. And and that's what they did, and it worked for them. They really did deal with the controversy by having faith in Jesus. But the younger generation doesn't understand the controversy, the point of contention mm-hmm. between God and them. And they kind of come in, and then they're like, whatever, and then they go out. And it never comes to the point of decision for them. So I think that there's wonderful, godly old saints who really have sacrificed their Isaac and crossed the line, but they're, they don't know how to bring other people across the way that Jesus did. Mm. You know, they're, or they're into this thing that's like, well, if we just keep people close, then maybe eventually they'll get to the point where they want to, and it, it just wasn't that way with Jesus. But, it, yeah, it's not until you're confronted with reality that you have the ability to make the decision. It's sometimes, it, like, I think maybe might not even, it might even be on the minister in some ways. Yeah. Because oh, they haven't given them the opportunity to confront the deception in which they're believing. Oh, definitely. I feel like we may have fallen a ruse to Western culture, to humanism, to okay. this idea of programming this idea of like programming in the sense of put on a program yeah you know like you gotta make you gotta make the music good you gotta have the right lighting you gotta have this because if not your your church is gonna go out there's not gonna be dollars and then yeah and then you're not gonna have a church yeah you know people aren't gonna want to donate people aren't gonna want to do this but it all kind of seems like it's rooted in this idea of kill or be killed this yeah. idea of, hey, we got to do it the best because if not, we're not going to have membership. So we got to do it. Yeah. Let's not give them like what God has already yeah. told us to do. Let's actually I think we can make it better. Yeah. You know, by our own ideas. Yeah. What is it? Second Corinthians four. Yeah, bro. Second Corinthians four. Um, you can respond to that while I'm looking for it if you. If you want. Okay, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we will, we never give up. New ways in this ministry. Yeah. Through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. Yeah. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. Yes. <laughs> we tell the truth before God and all who know this are all, and all who are honest know this. Yes. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only to the people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe and they are unable to see the glorious light and of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. We literally, we do not use underhand. We don't try to trick anyone or distort yeah. the word of God. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and yeah. anybody who is honest knows that, which means honest. Like, what is honest? Okay, that's truth, right? Yeah. You're speaking truth. You're believing truth. Yeah. You're not living in a distorted place. Yeah. To where and it's it's hard, right? Yes. Because we live in America. <laughs> the <laughs> land of the free, the home of the brave. You can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. The the underhanded methods are like dude it, it somebody told me once they're like if people if people come to your Bible study because there are donuts there, <laughs> they're coming for the donuts and not for Jesus. Breaking like bread, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, there is some truth to it where it's yeah. like, you know, there's um, there's bait. We're fishing for men. Mm. Um, there's, there's some stuff that we can use to reel people in. Um, but it's... It's never a bait and switch. What I love mm. so much about Josh Nicholas, our mutual friend, is that Damn. when he's on campus talking to people, like sentence number two out of his mouth is like, man, we love Jesus. You guys love Jesus? You love Jesus? <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> yeah. there are no underhanded methods. It's not like, let me come and be my friend for a little while and then maybe I'll slip in that I love Jesus and maybe you should too, but you don't have to right now yeah. and it's not going to be that hard. Just come to church. I, you know, like out in the front, this is what we're about. This is what it's going to cost you if you want to be. And the people who are honest, the people who are honest, w when I looked at myself, when I was doing that playing video games, it was like, I'm the problem. My anger, my temper, my pride. I'm the problem here. And mm. if I'm honest, right, I'll recognize that. But when it like when it came up, it was like, no, you're the problem. This thing's the problem. This this person made me mad. This person made me do it. But if I'm on it, like those who are honest know that what we're offering is not underhanded. It's not a trick. It's a hard wall that you have to choose. Are you going to? Are you going to go your own way or are you going to change? But it's, we're not trying to trick anybody. Yeah. This is what it costs. So why is it so easy to fall for that? Like fall for this idea of this kind of false gospel of where it doesn't take a, a, it doesn't take us repenting, you know, it doesn't take giving up this thing. It's just like, oh, just be friends with them, you know. Be nice to them, and they'll see by the way you live your life. <laughs> like, and I think there's some truth to that for sure. Definitely. But, but I think, right? We're still not giving them the opportunity. We're not giving them the gospel. Yeah. Right here 
it is funny. Uh, a couple of days ago on November 9th uh, from this devotional, it literally says, if a man attracts by his personality, his appeal along is along that line. If he is identified with the Lord's personality, then the appeal is along that line of what Jesus Christ can do. The danger is to glory in men, and Jesus says we to lift him up. So what, what he literally explains in this, I won't read the whole thing, but is if we attract with personality, that's what they're there for, yeah. and that's what they're going to get. The personality of man, the glorification of you. Yeah. But if you lead through Christ's personality with his truth, how he did things, they're getting him out yes. of it, not you. Yes, which is precisely in both letters to the Corinthians what Paul expressly tells them. What Second Corinthians, like a big part of it is, is this this beef that had come between Paul and the Corinthians where the Corinthians were like, man, Paul's not cool anymore. Like, we got all these cool <laughs> ministers. Right. We're, like, into them. I'm not really <laughs> sure that Paul's cool anymore. He's, like, short and ugly. <laughs> and he's definitely missing teeth. And he's kind of blind. Probably got a crooked nose. Like, he's not, he's not attractive. He says that when he's in person, he's not persuasive. Mm. He's not thundering. He's not... Um, when he he says also when he disputes in public he's not um, the most logical the most witty the most right what his own description of his ministry to the Corinthians was not cool not his own personality drawing anyone he was not attractive in the same way that the Bible says that Jesus was not attractive what was attractive was the message. Hmm. You can know God. You can be a friend of God. Actually. You can be right. You can be reconciled to him. And this is what it costs. It's it's a high cost, but it'll do the job. <laughs> and if you're honest, you know that that's what it's going to take. Hmm. It's going to take this high cost. If you're honest, you'll you'll recognize hmm. and you can know God. You can be a friend of God. But that truth is hidden behind the deception of those who are perishing. So if you don't believe that, then the only other conclusion is you are dying. Yeah. Yeah. You will. Yeah. You are dying. You are dead. You you will die. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> dead, dying, and will die. <laughs> like all three. Um, yeah. And I, my wife and I both have kind of been on this thing. And I don't want to get too dark, but we've been on this thing where um, it's going to come it's going to come down to the very end. And every Jesus says that every lie will be exposed, every every deed will be brought to light. There will you're going to you're going to stand before Jesus and every tongue will confess that he is divine, that he is God. And every excuse, every lie ev will be unraveled. All the things that you were living for will be chalked up to nothing when you stand on the judgment seat. But what's at the core, you, you always choose deception. And what's at the core, the reason why you chose to go down that path will be revealed. And people will stand before the judgment seat and say, I don't want to know you. 
you know? Yeah. And it, so it's not even about the deception or the lie. It, it is, it's always about that message. Do you want to know God or not? Here's what it's going to cost. You know, there's no, there's no frills to it. There's no big car. There's no big house. Do you want to know God or not? And it's like when you play all these games on these other levels of the intellectual stuff or the emotional stuff or all this other stuff, it's always going to come down to that bedrock thing. And that's going to be what happens at the judgment seat is that thing is going to come out. Do you want to be with me or not? How much, how much are you willing to pay mm. to be with me? Not in dollars, but in like in your desires. Are you willing to kill it all to be with me? So are you literally saying, like, uh, just clarifying the scripture here, that people are going to be standing in front of God or kneeling or whatever, probably kneeling, yeah, <laughs> and uh, actually follow their desires into the like pit of destruction what c.s lewis says is that hell is locked from the inside Mm. god doesn't lock you in you You lock lock god out out. Mm. so what happens what happens it um when jesus is on trial they say um they say this man made himself a king and any man who makes himself as a king, um, basically he's he's collid- he's committed political treason, and they say to they say to Pilate, they say if you let this man go, you're not a friend of Caesar because he's committing political treason. Like you better, you better tread carefully, Pilate. And and to set the stage, they are here's this nation that God has blessed. He is still blessing. God has blessed. He's given them everything. He's given him himself. He's given him revelation of himself. He's given him this land to live in. Um, He's promised to protect them if only they would be faithful to him. They don't. They're not faithful to him. They get kicked out. And since they get kicked out to that day, to Jesus' day, they had not been politically autonomous. And all the general fervor of the time was get the Romans out, right? We're God's people. God has promised us this land. We deserve to be, by God's promises, politically autonomous. This is our land, and, the, and we're in it, but we don't even get to rule ourselves in it. We're being squashed under the thumb of Rome, mm. you know? Like, and so some people turn to violence. Some people wheel and deal and make, you know— take the Roman side to try to gain a little bit of power. Some guys like the Pharisees are saying like, we need to be absolutely morally pure and then God will give us this land back. Then he'll bring the Messiah who will kick the Romans out. You know, everybody's schemes are to try to get the Romans out and rule Palestine again. And for themselves, right for themselves. Like we are God's people. We're going to rule Palestine. And so here's Jesus on trial and the, the, the Jews' claim against him to try to get him killed by the Romans is that he is committing treason against Caesar. And Pilate replies, he goes, like, is this not your king? Like, you don't want your king released to you? And their reply is, we have no king but Caesar. 
they literally, you know, yeah, all that stuff about like, we want to rule ourselves. We want to be God's people. We deserve this land. If it's between having all your dream, your wildest dreams met or having Jesus alive, you'd kill Jesus. That's what that proves. That when like when people stand before the judgment and God says, you can have heaven, but it also means serving me. Like people will say, no, actually, I don't want that. I don't want to know you. So when it comes to presenting the message, it's never about what's going to happen in heaven. It's never about what God is going to give you. It's never about success. It's never about, you know, happiness or um, even the contentment that comes from knowing God, even the things that knowing peace, all that stuff. It, it just comes down to do you want to know God? Because that's what that's the decision that's going to come out on the judgment seat. It's, you know, it seems like everybody thinks that they can have both. And once they get there, then there's no way I'm going to choose to die, you know. But I think we underestimate, like you said, the power that sin has to infect us and to turn us into a whole nother creature than we were ever started as. Yes. Okay. I've, I've kept this on my phone because it's so powerful. Cool. This, is, this is from Charles Finney. Yeah. Men really intend to secure both this world and salvation. Mm. They never suppose it wise to lose their own soul, nor do they think to gain anything by running the risk of losing it. Indeed, they do not mean to run any great risks, only a little, <laughs> the least they can conveniently make it, and yet gain a large measure of earthly good. But in attempting to get the world, they lose their own souls. Mm. God told them they would, but they did not believe him. Rushing on the fearful venture and assuming to be wiser than God, they grasped the world to get it first, thinking to get heaven afterwards. Thus they tempted the spirit, lost their day of salvation, and lost the world besides. So powerful, bro. So you went through something like this you you were explaining it to me or to a couple of us that you you got a four-year degree Mm -hmm. and you had a decision to well you 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 felt the call uh, of god or or heard a call or or whatever way you interpret it it's hard we always describe it with our senses but it's something deeper than that it's a it's a uh it's it's a peace or a, a presence in our our very being that draws yeah. us to go into ministry yeah. and you had similar to the young, to the young ruler i imagine there was all these people around him kind of or he was thinking of all these people that would tell him how foolish he was yeah for for giving up his stuff his family what whatever so you made a similar decision Oh, yeah. In your life. Oh, yeah. I, I, um, the rich young ruler went away because he had many possessions. And I, <laughs> at, you know, 20, 21, didn't possess very much yet, but I knew that it could potentially be a lot. <laughs> sure. Um, um, I was going to have a degree from Texas A&M. 
Um, I had some connections already. I had done good work. I had good letters of recommendation, et cetera, et cetera. And you're, you're a smart guy, so you understood, like, oh, I can navigate to the dollars. Like, yeah. it's a game in a sense. Nobody, yeah. nobody like, wants to say, like, <laughs> I knew I could succeed, yeah. but I was pretty sure I could succeed if I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a worldly sense, at least. Yeah, in a worldly sense, like, I was, and like. And to get what you want, what yeah, you wanted. Yeah, and, and to be very honest, like, what me and my wife both wanted mm. was, like, comfortable house, don't have to worry. Like, my parents are called into the workforce, and they make wonderful money. And my wife's parents make wonderful money, and they bless people with it. Sure. You know? They're like, and they don't have to stress about anything. And neither do any of their friends, you know? And neither do any of their children. And that's because they're wonderful and they're generous, and that's what God asked them to do. And it's that, dude, it's that same thing. God asked me to do it, and I'm like, God, God asked me to do this other thing, to do ministry. And I'm like, buh, 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 but I could use that money to bless people. And <laughs> can't I just give it all away to missions? And, oh, you know, no, because God asked me to do this thing, you know, mm. and the Isaac has to go. And so one morning, so this is the story that I told. One morning, I, um, it really comes down to it, is my very last semester and in a couple months, I'm going to have to apply to be an intern with Chi Alpha. And I know what God has asked me to do, probably for going on a year now. And it's, it's really just come down to, to, to do it. And um, so it's the day of the Texas a Engineering Career Fair. My last best shot at landing a job in the workforce. And they won't let you in if you don't have slacks on. And so I stand in my closet, like on the threshold, looking at all my pants that I own. And I got chinos, I got slacks, I got yeah. stuff that I could wear. And I'm like, Lord, you asked me to be a missionary. And because of that, I'm gonna put on jeans this morning and exclude myself from this other thing that I want. But I know that you've called me to this. Mm. So, like, here's the Isaac, and I, like, and I cut myself off from this path. And I'm like, I'm going down this path. If you've asked me to be a missionary, then I'm going to throw my right. chance at a job out the window. Well, you didn't even just tempt, like, you didn't tempt your fate either. You didn't, like, That's exactly I'm right. gonna, you know, I'll put on my suit, but, you know, once I get there, I'll decide. Yeah. <laughs> no, and But you could, you could, you could be like, I'll put on my suit just in case God changes his mind. And at the last minute, then I can go to the career fair. And, like, I knew what God had asked me to do, and I knew what it was going to cost. And so I didn't even let myself get tempted. <laughs> I just, I put the jeans on, and I go to class. And I have this, like, break. So that's the, I put the Isaac on the altar. I was like, this is it. I'm killing my chance. I'm going to, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, it wasn't like elation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you do it, when you do it, it's not like you do have to pay the cost. You do have to face whatever's going to come. It's not like God always rushes in with his spirit of joy to make everything better right away. You do have to face it. So I'm there on campus 
like facing my decision and I'm like, I got two hours until my last class of the day. So I could like skip my last class and maybe I could just make it. No. And so then, then like I'm leaving my last class having these thoughts and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to the Chi Alpha booth where we evangelize on campus. I'm like, I'm not going home. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. I'm going to go be, and I'm going to go evangelize. And I didn't, I didn't go evangelize. I just sat there like on the rudder fountain, like, (laughs) 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 what did I just do? Yeah. And, but, um, I mean, you just threw away the whole reason you were at college. Allegedly. I didn't throw it away. I'm, I'm using that degree. I'm using what God did in me and gave to me. And, um, but people would tell you, you were throwing it away. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the deception, the lie that I could have believed would definitely tell me that it was all for nothing and I was ungrateful and et cetera. And so I'm there and I'm basically just trusting God. But when you make the choice to have yourself or have God, God says, this way will kill you. But this way, you can have me. And, and, he, but, and he honors that. It really is. This way, you can be guaranteed. Today, tomorrow, or a year from now, it's going to kill you. But this way, you will get God. It's not, a, it's not a story. It's not a, you know, you will get God. So I'm sitting there in my jeans, and my buddy's talking to me. He's talking to me about how he wants to have a girlfriend. And I was like, man, you know what? Like, what you really need is to get a good girl. Because bad girls throughout the Bible messed up good godly guys. Really took them down a dark path. You need to watch out. This guy comes over and hands us these flyers. He's like, hey, I'm on campus. Uh, I'm a pastor here. I haven't been on campus in 10 years. I'm here promoting this movie. And then he sits down. He's like, man, I just want to talk to you guys. Uh, look, look, listen, I've b- I've been to Mexico, and I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> like, he's like in his fifties, and he's just talking to these two kids, and I'm like, okay, but he's telling us about like revival street meetings in Mexico, and how he's totally white as all get out, but he learned Spanish because of these street meetings that he participated in, and like people are getting saved all over the place, and. It's crazy, and he's and then he starts telling us, us about like demonic manifestation, and I'm like, this is a lot of fun. And then <laughs> <laughs> he's, I mean, it's just a wonderful conversation that I'm, I'm, I'm already blessed by yeah, how yeah. nice this conversation is. And then he looks at my friend, and he's like, man, I've had some friends in the ministry that got knocked out because of a nasty girl. If you're thinking about getting married, you need to date a good girl. Because I've had friends, man, they were going strong for the Lord, and a nasty woman got them knocked out, and they're not even walking with God now. You better watch out. And I like, I'm like punching my friend. I'm like, bro, this guy's a prophet. Like, <laughs> we were just talking about that. Y'all didn't talk about that with him. We did not talk about that. And neither did he know that I was married. So mm-hmm. he could have turned and given me the exact same advice. And you too, but wa- watch out which would have been, you know, moot advice for me at that point. But he looks at me and he goes, you know, if you're thinking about doing full-time ministry, 
you just got to trust God and do it. You just got to do it. And I like <laughs> lost it, bro. I almost <laughs> fell over into the pond. Like I, and I'm, I'm looking at my friend and I'm looking at him and I'm like starting to tear up a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, how did you, and he, he doesn't even like acknowledge that it wasn't like it, like a trance that he was like, I'm right. getting a word from the <laughs> Lord for you. <laughs> like he just kind of moved on and kept telling us stories. But here's me stunned that God kept his promise. Mm. I could have had this or I can have God. I can have a relationship with him where I trust him and I do what he says. And, and that's what I picked and that's exactly what I got. God showed up and ministered to me, blessed me, kept his word, met with me, and and to this day, every that that's that's always true. It's always true. Every step of trust, um, God proves himself to me mm-hmm. and and I and, and I get what he promised me, which is himself, and I'm never let down. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I think uh, we're in it for the wrong reasons. You know, it's like you're going to get what you like. He like you said, these two choices are in front of you, death or God. There's really no in between. I mean, actually, death and all this stuff, whatever this stuff is, which is it's 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 still sick. You know, it's still mixed with crap. Like yeah. you're still eating crap, yeah. but like, but God with no guarantee, anything but him. That's right. Probably more things. Yeah. Probably an abundant, joyful life. Yeah. Because fullness of joy is found within God. That's right. But he does make those promises, <laughs> but you're there for him mm-hmm. because if you're there for the joy, you'll lose him. That's right. But if you're there for him, you'll get the joy too. That's right. The, um, our pastor Eli talks about the movie Lincoln mm. um, about them trying to ratify the 13th Amendment and they these guys who are not normally on Lincoln's side in this case are and, and essentially I forget the exact line but essentially Lincoln says to them like gentlemen someday we may part but at least today we are agreed and it's that it's that thing where if you're in it for joy or for peace or for whatever, for now, while it's convenient or helpful or God's giving you what you want, you'll walk with him. But when it's hard and there's persecution or temptation or something else promises you an easier way to peace, but not God, then for now we are agreed, but one day... We're going to split when something else promises me what I was really after apart from God, Hmm. some easier way. But if I want the Lord, if that's what I want and he'll always be faithful to give it to me, if that's what I want, then I can weather anything Hmm. because even that's Paul. um, I have learned how to be content with much and I've learned how to be content with a little through all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's in prison at this time. He's in prison. (laughs) What he's saying is, you know, what I'm really after. And that's Philippians. We're the same thing. Um, To live is Christ. To die is gain. 
You know, I count all everything, all achievements of my previous life to be rubbish, to be rubbish. Mm. Right? I'm not after anything else. I'm after one thing, the resurrection, to know him and to attain to the resurrection. Like that's all I'm after mm. and God is faithful to give it to me. That's what he can give because, me himself. Because he is your fuel. He that's is right. the purpose. That brings us all the way back to the the jogging. <laughs> it's like what is fueling you? Is it like okay, let's say let's say this. Let's say, you know, you you want to keep everything that you had and you join into the church and and your purpose for following the Lord is to find a wife. You're there to find That's a wife. Real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's more real than we give it credit for. Oh yeah. You know? Your purpose there is to find a wife and you know church is where the good girls are. Yeah. Okay. Once you get that, if you do get that, Lord, please don't give them that if yeah. possible. But if they do get that, yeah. Then once they get that, What's they're the they're done running. That's right. That's exactly right, which you know, uh, statistics show that once people get married, they gain a lot of weight. <laughs> 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 you once you get what you want, you're done running. Well, you were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> this dude used to do what'd you say? Worked out like forty oh, minutes every single yeah. day. You were doing. You were Seven a gymnast. Days a week. You were a gymnast. Well, so when I was when I was a gymnast, it was two and a half hours a day, five days a week. And then I left college, didn't do gymnastics anymore, but then I proposed to my wife, and like the <laughs> week after I proposed, the regimen began, and I was seven days a week, like weights one day, cardio the next, weights, cardio, weights, cardio, for like 40 <laughs> minutes a day, like getting jacked, getting jacked, and I succeeded, <laughs> and then once I got married, that, that stopped, like cold turkey, <laughs> I, I did not work out like that anymore. Uh, that's just how it goes. <laughs> once you, once the thing that you're really after materializes, like you're done. Because the the thing you were after, you wanted to look good for your wife, right? That's right, and it succeeded. <laughs> 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 but if you're like getting jacked to do a lifelong career of modeling or something then yeah. you probably stay that way because yep you're dependent on that but yeah but your wife loving you is not dependent on how jacked you are thank god <laughs> hopefully <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um but what's so wonderful is that's why heaven is eternal mm. Be it because because the knowing god it never like materializes it never reaches the end I just know him and know him and enjoy him and enjoy mm. him. And en that the old creed went, um, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that never stops. That never material. I never reach that enjoying him forever. So, so can we dive into that a little bit? I, I want to hear your kind of dreams or ideas of what the age to come is like. You know, what what enjoying God will be like, why that will be so satisfying, you know, maybe what things you think will be like right now and what things will be different right now. Uh, man. This is a topic I love 
to explore. <laughs> and I'm it's so it's a tough one, but yeah, my world is pretty rocked by the simple descriptions of what heaven is like. There's river. There's a there's rivers. There's trees. Mm. There's people. There's singing. Um, there's farming. There's like, well, okay. My point is, all of the things gathered together, when you look at them, um, this is weird, but it's exceedingly normal. Right. Like, well, it's like God intended for creation to be the way it is. That's exactly <laughs> right. There's, there's nothing here that we need to escape, right? Like, the things that make... Winky Prattney's spiritual vocations is so wonderful. The things that are that God has put deep in your heart to love and enjoy, all those passions, um, are are part of the creation that He made. And there's nothing here that we need to escape to go into a different place to go and enjoy them. Like, what needs to happen is people need to stop being selfish and ruining the creation that He made and my ability to enjoy it. Mm. Right. That's that's what needs to happen. Is well, along with his presence here. Right. And it's they're inseparable. Right. Well, what's inseparable is um, if I don't want his presence here. I, I will be selfish. And if I do want his presence here, I have to be unselfish. Mm. So they're they're hand in glove like. On top of the fact that we're cursed. Yes. <laughs> and the and the curse is part of the selfishness. Right. And the it's because of the selfishness. Right. Yes. Yeah, the it's because oh this it's because of adopting the lie yeah as reality following that lie down the path of the selfishness yeah that led us here yes yeah and the and I really um um man what what got what um. That verse that everybody quotes <laughs> when our nation's in trouble, <laughs> for good reason, but um, I will, if my people who are called by my right. name will um, <laughs> turn, turn from me. their wicked ways and and something else, and seek my face. You, do you remember what the last part is? I will, I don't know, show mercy? No. Uh. I will heal their land. Oh, right. I.e., in other words, there is some substantial undoing of the curse, not entirely, but some substantial undoing of the curse that can happen if we turn to God in this age. Right. Wild. So. It can. It can. The possibility is there. God has the not turned his face towards that. That's right. But it's up to us. So that his. It is. Um, what. Mm, this is a whole other thing that it's his presence that is the thing that is life and undoes the curse. If we invite him here, then that is what will begin to undo the curse. And um, we don't so we don't need to escape. It's it's inviting him here that will refresh and redo. And as much as is possible, we can do it now Mm. that's the 
kingdom that is now and not yet. There's a the the kingdom is is spiritual, but it's here and it's real and it has um, spiritual effects first, but physical but physical effects later. It does begin to heal the land, to and and that the enjoyment, mm. the simple enjoyment of of Christ and one another and the creation that He's made. Um, there's no way to comprehend the scale, the orders of magnitude greater that heaven will be, but it won't be fundamentally different. Right. Right? And that's that blows my mind. So what I would like is um, probably to see the world. Mm. <laughs> explore. <laughs> to exp- yeah, to explore. Most people want to are trying to get that right now yeah well um i guarantee you it'll be better then yeah. it'll be better to look at then <laughs> we'll probably be able to Definitely. travel faster as well um jesus could fly he did fly he ascended into heaven right <laughs> I imagine that. that that you make a good point there. No, what what you know they they say ascended into heaven but what if like it was like a superman like <laughs> he just so <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like because we imagine it was like this beam of light came down and he's just like <laughs> no, it's <laughs> like a theater where they have these strings attached and he kind of yeah. <laughs> so my mom, my mom is teaching a Sunday school class, and um, and one of the little kids goes, "Will we fly in heaven?" Mm. And this other little girl's like, Psh, "No, <laughs> no, we won't. That's dumb." And the, the kid looks, like, visibly crestfallen. He is very <laughs> sad that we won't fly in heaven. And my mom pulls open the kid's Bible and points to, right, the, the, the point in the kid's Bible where Jesus ascended, yeah. and there's the picture of him halfway flying up to heaven. And she goes, hmm, I'm not sure. Look at this picture of Jesus it's flying. flying. <laughs> and, the, and the kid's like, yes, we're going to fly in heaven. I don't I don't know what to make of it, but I think I think yeah we will we'll fly. We'll we'll I, what I like what I always imagine is, I mean. Creation God created creation. He created the heavens and the earth, yeah. which to the biblical authors the heavens was outer space. Yeah, and and all of the planets and galaxies within it, and I imagine for eternity because like the way physics describes. You know, the universe is it ex- it's expanding faster than we are able to explore it. Yeah. So if eternity is eternal, we live forever like we live forever. Yeah. I imagine as a human species under God, united with the Holy Spirit, we're going to expand to the whole universe. Yeah. And there's going to be an unlimited amount of journeys and things to explore, things to build in with your best friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The um I don't I don't know if you've ever said this, but the um the the kids picture books are not true. The Garden of Eden was not the entire earth. Mm. There was a place called Eden with a garden in it and then a tree in the middle. And the the so it says that there were no plants. There were rivers, but there were no plants. Mm. And then God picked a place called Eden, 
and planted a garden in it. So it would seem like the vegetative, life-giving, life-producing part of the earth was a small part. And when, G- when God said to Adam and Eve, fill the earth and subdue it, the garden was supposed to extend uh, to everywhere, to every place where there was dry land. And if, exactly what you're saying, if the planet that God gave them was finite, but the commandment wasn't, eventually, given no curse, given no selfishness, eventually that commandment would extend beyond the planet. Logically, if the planet's finite but the commandment's not. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Isn't that amazing that we think of things in such a linear time frame? We got a hundred years to do whatever we can do. Like, we think in such limited terms that we... We don't comprehend things of that nature. We don't even yeah. see it as like a possibility. We're like, oh, well, like, but, but God in his all wisdom, insight, and love for us has created a scenario yeah. where we're just enjoying forever. Yeah. We're doing forever, we're loving forever, we're singing forever. All of the things that are righteous and good that God made for purposes, ears, eyes, smells, tastes. Yeah. He has given us a choice to walk into forever of the best foods, of the best sounds, of the best smells, but not only the best in terms of what we think, an ever-expanding yeah. palette. Yeah. Of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the lie always is, you can, it always starts, you can have all that, but without God. You can do it yourself. And that's the, that's the choice. Hmm. That's the choice. That, I mean, it's, it's so wonderful. It's so marvelous. And the climax of it all in Revelation yeah. The revelation, you get two chapters on what should be the selling point of Christianity, you know, mm-hmm. like heaven, like, okay, this is what we're all headed to, like, this is what this is the good part. You only get two chapters, and the climax of it all is not the wonder, but it's the dwelling sure. place of God is with man. Mm. The, cl- the, the, the very the climax. great <laughs> climax of the whole story, the dwelling place of God is with man. It's not this great escape. Right. It's not this... God comes to the kingdom of God has drawn near to you. Mm. God has come to be with us. Yeah, that's wonderful. So so Jonathan uh I can't see his last name. G A O Gaona. Yeah, Gaona. I am so bad at reading. Um not at, not as much as I used to be as a kid. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? He asked if we're doing Q&A. I guess we could. Yeah, ask questions away. A, a short Q&A. Um, my wife my wife is yeah, yeah, the short so one. So, uh, For you, Jonathan. So Christopher Rue said, oh, Rau. Mr. Rao. Yeah, Rao said, love that. If he is the end of our desires, we never finish pursuing him. Amen. Yeah, so we're always pursuing him. Yeah. Forever. If he's infinite and he's what we want, 
it gets to go on forever. It never has to, mm. never has to end. There's no consummation. He is the consummation, and that just gets to go on. Sure, it's awesome. Sure. You you got any questions, uh, Caleb? I know you you turned <laughs> your mic on earlier. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I had any uh, specific questions, but I think mm. that just like what you guys have been talking about in regards to um, understanding those lies is so powerful and fixing our distorted view of reality Mm. because, well, it's pretty messed up. (laughs) But what we have to do, and Jonathan just said, can we really be free from our sin? In a way, not until um, we die and get our resurrected bodies. However, God does call us to be more Christ-like every day. Yeah. He does call us to walk towards him uh, and pursue godliness but the way to do that isn't to try to do all the right things it's to focus on him it's to let him work on our hearts and pursue him and so it's not going to be a wherever just free from our sin Mm -hmm. but it is going to be god is going to work on us and help us to grow like what um, i guess the the yeah like what you were saying michael with your um with your video games, like it, you focused on God more, and it gradually phased out of your life. Yeah. Well, I guess the question is, what does it mean to be free from sin? Mm, yeah, that's a good point. That and I, you can take it two ways. Of like, can I be free from this specific thing mm. that is sin in my life now? And I think, yes, that's what the cross is for. If you, if you say no, you have to answer, well, then is this sin more powerful than the power of the cross? Right. I, and so if, you ever, if you're facing something and you say, can I ever be free of this? The answer has to be yes, or Jesus didn't do what the Bible says he did. The, uh, the other side of the question, though, is am I ever done being sanctified right clearing my life of things that make god unhappy Mm. and he'll he's merciful which means he'll go one at a time (laughs) but but is that process ever done not until the very end right no um are well it seems like almost maybe even a better way to frame it is yeah you can be free from sin because you have the choice to walk in sin or not yeah and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that does allow you to never walk in sin again, if so, choose. But I think the thing that gets fully uh, turned over when the Lord returns is the curse itself, yeah. the curse of death. You cannot escape the consequences of the sin yeah. until Jesus returns. Yeah, you know? like the lies and the and the deception and the desires of the flesh and all that stuff um, will continue to work and right and and but one day we will be free um one thing that i think is so powerful though is during that sanctification process where we're growing um and you know confronting that sin and the reality of what god ha- really does have for us um this is something my uh, pastor back home in Austin said. It's um, that really stuck with me. 
So um, he told us, he talked about the story of John the Baptist where he was in prison and he has his disciples go um, to Jesus and ask him, um, are you really the Messiah? And it was essentially like, why, why am I still in prison? Why is this happening to me? Shouldn't you be doing something to get me out? Mm. And what Jesus says to him is, don't be offended. So he has the disciples go. Um, uh, John's disciples leave after telling him, tell John the Baptist to not be offended. Yeah. And yeah. that seems like a pretty harsh rebuke. Like it was um, Jesus working on um, John the Baptist, his heart, um, and showing him some of the lies he was believing and that distortion. Mm. But yeah. right afterwards, he turns to Je- Jesus turns to his disciples and says, there is no one better. There is no prophet greater than John the Baptist. Mm. And so even as John the Baptist was struggling with his offense and going through these hard things and being convicted by God and even rebuked by God. Yeah. Jesus was saying he I love this guy. He is so amazing. He he is one of the greatest prophets. He is the greatest prophet. And so in a way, that's how it's almost like, what is God saying behind, saying about us behind our backs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even yeah. as he is convicting our hearts and working on us and rebuking us for our sin, he mm-hmm. is pouring out words of love upon us and just cherishing us and loving every single moment he has with yeah. us. Well, I, I guess then a, a better way to frame it is the uncovering of the deceptions that we have adopted into our hearts never right. really stop until the return, the day of the Lord. But I don't want people to believe that they're not capable of not choosing to walk in new sins. Right. Like it's not the new sin. It's, it's God's uncovering. The sanctification process is like once, you know, you have learned and repented you don't return there like you shouldn't return there maybe you do but then then the next time you do less right it's this sanctification yeah. process but but the the uncovering i think is that process yeah i did want to i did want to talk to you about one thing but what, kind of as we wrap this up cuz you know we've we've said a lot of things and 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 it's been fantastic and I want to talk about. I, I got to witness you actually ministering um, to to a particular guy, and he didn't seem to be fully convinced yeah. of Jesus as God. Yeah. But the way that you handled it, and the way that you, you know, based upon the scripture, gave a defense for the hope in which yeah. is in you. It was very fascinating to be able to see that because it's there. I don't see a ton of college ministers taking that approach these days. Like mm. you said, it's kind of like, oh, become their friend. Hey, yeah. buy you Chick Fil A, what what not? But what do you think has prepared you to be able to to do that? And like, why do you think it's important to be able to actually give people tangible realities and facts about? your faith yeah and why they should follow yeah um my i'm gonna start 
what seems like left field, but it'll end up okay. where we want to go. When my wife looks at a sunset, she sees a painting because she's an artist. When I look at a sunset, I see the wonder of refracted light mm. because I'm an engineer. And um, I think that what sounds really nice and what gets up on stage a lot of times in church is um, either just piety, like goodness, or love, 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 love. And um, that's true. There are a whole lot of people who are desperate for love. Um, they want it real bad. And that, that answer from the pulpit draws them in and um, gives them the answer that they need. Um, just to be frank, it's mostly young women mm-hmm. or women. But, and that's why the church is full of a lot of women. Um, because what most men are looking for is purpose, mm. is meaning, is something that that is worth their time and worth their energy um, and the thing that they were made for. They're looking for purpose. And when I'm ministering, usually like to a stranger, that if they're interested, if there's a hook in, that's a lot of times where I'll go is that um, – the king, like you, you're made for something. You're made for something more than what you're living for right now. The kingdom of God um, needs you. You are an image bearer of God, and and the kingdom is not the same without you, right? The thing about the body parts. Mm-hmm. If you're the ear and I don't have you, then I miss it. You need to be a part of this thing because God has a purpose for you, and you're wasting it all if you're doing something else. Mm. Um, other people want to make sense of things. And I think that everybody has like uh, um, a little bit of all of them. You know? Sure. Every God made you to seek answers and be satisfied in them. God made you to seek purpose and have that. And God made you to have love and have that. Nobody is a zero on any of those or, or the whole host of other things that God made us for. Um, but I know that God made me with a mind like a sponge that can soak up information and then deal it back out. And so for me, people with good questions about like that are looking for answers, that's that's like that's my ball game mm. all day long, all day long. Josh Nicholas, all day long, giving young men a sense of purpose and friendship you know what i mean right like david barrera laughter and family Mm. and brotherhood and everybody's got these different gifts and these things that they need and every minister should be able to operate with all of them you know i'm a poor minister if there's one of them that i can't do if there's one bait that i don't know how to use um but i know that that one for me is just what god made me for Mm. and and being a good minister, part of it is getting good at all of them, but also knowing what it mm. is that you were made for. And recognizing that um, everybody's going to bite on different bait. Mm. 
and but they're all based in reality right and truth what god has placed in that heart um both as a bearer of his image to have purpose to have love to find answers to f- to have a family all you know all that stuff is what god initially put in there and then even which one is a dominant desire um can come from the personality that god gave to you mm. um I see refracted light in a sunset. My wife sees a piece of art, and it n- neither of them's wrong. Um, but my wife can speak to artists, and I can speak to engineers, and and I need to be able to speak to artists, and she needs to be able to speak to engineers. But there is there is a gifting, mm. um, and 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 but being a good minister is knowing what it is that you're working with, and using the right bait, and um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like ultimately the the deeper you go with knowing God, the the more capable you are of appealing to those other sides of people's hearts, minds, absolutely desires, what what whatever absolutely. it may be. Absolutely. As you uncover different facets of his character like you turn a diamond and you see a new angle mm-hmm. and a new piece of light that you didn't notice before. As you explore and discover God, you're like, Wow, you I never saw before, but you've you've adopted us. That means I'm a part of a family that I, mm. you know. And as you explore new facets, you see the needs that God placed in others that He's meeting with Himself. Mm. And if you're like talking in terms of the the bride of Christ, right? I, I imagine uh, your wife loves the way that you see the world, like, yeah. and that's part of why she married you. Yeah, is because you don't see it the same way she does. Yeah. And that is fascinating. Yeah. We need each other. We need each other. Mm. We all three need, you know, we, we need each other. Mm. So to like, to wrap it up, what, what do you want these people watching? Probably youngsters, probably, (laughs) probably, you know, in, you know, 20 to 29 watching. What do they need to know? Like we need each other. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. We need to learn from each other. We need to humble ourselves to understand each other better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And see each other more. Yes. Like, like not be so caught up in what we want to do, what we want to say, what we think is right, that we miss the point, which is relationship, yeah. which is what is relationship? Well, conversations are part of relationship, you know, uh, doing activities, serving, working together. That's all part of relationship. And I think we can get so caught up in our own mind that we miss it, you know? So ultimately, like, to wrap everything up with what we're saying, what what do people need to take away from our conversation? If there's one thing um, in prayer the last couple days... I think that that image of the of the wound, mm. like the Romans gave Christ wounds, but so did I. And um, to love Him means I don't want to do that anymore. I I want I, n- I have to stop. And um, if you if you don't know Christ, then that's what it means to come to know Him is to say I don't want to. I know I see you for who you are. And I see that you're lovely, and I don't want to do that anymore. And if you're ministering to people, then that's the that's the same way. 
there's you can give them good answers and you can give them love and you can give them a community but if that doesn't occur then then then, then that's that's what the kingdom is built on if that doesn't occur then then nothing's happened um that's i i think man that's what i'm that's what i'm on right now that's what I'm, wow. that's mm. what i'm thinking about so mm. so that that decision of like searching your heart finding you know, or allowing the Lord to search your heart yeah. and convict you or show you the part of you that is just hurting him. Yeah. And then metaphorically or physically cutting it off. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And 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 so that's that's repentance and faith is trusting um that God is gonna satisfy the gap. Dead to mm-hmm. sin and now alive to God. That Jesus died, arms spread on the cross, um, trusting that the Lord would raise him up on the other side. And I give up my Isaac. And that's what, the, that's what Hebrews says, that Abraham gave up his Isaac knowing that God could resurrect him if he right. did. And it's, I give up my Isaac knowing that whatever cost to me, I'm going to get God. I'm going to have what I'm after, which is to know him. And he's going to give it to me. And and that's the f- that's the trust portion that now I'm going to walk with him and that's going to be sufficient. And that takes a lot of trust. Yeah. And we can have help with that trust. Yeah. We don't have to do it on our own. That's right. Praise we can, God. We can praise receive God. Receive the Holy Spirit and we can join community. Yeah. And we can have help. I wouldn't be. <laughs> here. I would never made that decision without help. You yeah. know, I. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Thank you, Michael, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was a great experience. (laughs) Um, We definitely have to do this again, man. Uh, Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I I knew it was going to be fun. Uh, (laughs) We definitely went down a route that maybe didn't expect, but it was good. It was good. Very, you know, I believe it is going to change someone's heart. Good. Change my heart. Praise God. I mean, you have to be continually open to your heart being refined and changed. Yeah. Like, dang, face the things that you're scared to to show God. Yeah. You know. Um, well, thank you guys for watching. Uh, give us a thumbs up or subscribe if you loved it. And please share this with a friend. Helps us a lot. Helps spread the word and get the gospel out to more people. Um, we love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>